Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. Do you ever have that feeling that something's missing? Sometimes you know what it is, while at other times you struggle to figure it out. The same is true in the Christian life, and often the answer is right in front of us. Today on Changed by Love, we begin a series from the Gospel of John, chapter 15, called The Abiding Christian. To abide in Jesus basically means to stay close to Him and to continue with Him. While many of us start out in His way or want to, we often end up off course. To get back on course or to get started, let's join Pastor Jim in part one of his message, Something is Missing. Well, there's a few things that I like to do. If you know much about me, you know that I'm a people watcher. I love to watch people. I go to an amusement park, take a bunch of youth kids there, go to the amusement park, and I sit on the bench while they go on rides, and I just love to to people watch. One thing I actually like is being at a party or an event or something like that and watching cooks, good cooks, getting together and, you know, team effort, cooking together and doing a taste test of something. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? And they look at each other and they'll say this, something is missing. There's a lot of things like that in life, aren't there? It's good, but it could be better or it could be a lot better. And you just say to yourself, something is not right. Something is missing. I actually think that that could describe the Christian life of many followers of Jesus. Something is missing, and it's hard to put a finger on it. Like many things in life, the answer is often obvious, so obvious that it's easy to miss. Why? Because it's right in front of us. We've seen it so many times before, but it just somehow we haven't connected the dots. When we read the the Gospels, the Christian life uh, for the first disciples starts in the same way it does for anyone. If you're not a follower of Jesus, this is is how it goes. I'm glad that you're with us today, and, and this is really how it goes. We realize that something is wrong with our lives. We realize that something is missing in our lives. Perhaps we hear a message from from God or or events in our lives happen, and and somehow we come to the realization that we're we're sinners, and we're not so sure how to deal with it when we think about God being holy and perfect, and that we realize then that we need a Savior for the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. And then we hear what theologians call, there's different names for it, but we hear, we'll just simplify it, the call of Jesus a simple call from Jesus. It often goes like this, follow me, or come, follow me. Or perhaps the most famous call, I think, in the entirety of this scripture is what we just read, Matthew chapter 11, 28 through 30. I want to read it twice to you. Jesus says, come to me, all of you who, are, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Well, let's go slowly. Jesus says, come to me, all of you who labor and are heavy laden. Some versions say, all of you who are weary and are burdened. Some versions add in weary and overburdened. And Jesus says, I will give you rest. Doesn't that sound great? 
Do you know what it's like sometimes you, you, you sleep, you get, you get what would be considered to be a good night's sleep, and you wake up, and you're more tired than when you went to bed, and you're just like, I'm not getting any rest. Jesus then says, take my yoke. Now, what's a yoke? You say, that's easy, Pastor Jim. It's part of an egg. No, that's what he's talking about. Something here is different. A yoke is that wooden beam that, that would be used to attach two animals to each other to plow in the field so they would stay together. So you put a yoke over two oxen and they would, they would plow the field. And, and we, want to be, we want to take Jesus' yoke upon him, he says, take my yoke upon you. Now, we have to understand that there's going to have to be some changes in our lives. I want you to give you a visual picture for a second. Uh, let's just imagine that uh, Jesus is the ox and you and I are turtles. How would that look? Let me just get that visual. So obviously, things are going to have to change in our lives. And so there are animals, take my yoke, these wooden beam, to be attached. We have to be attached to Jesus. And he oft, Jesus often compared this, his yoke, to the yoke of religion and the religion of his day. And, and today, I would say, while the religion of his day was very burdensome, I would say most people I know today that would describe themselves of religious, as being religious find it to be very unfulfilling. And, and to, in religion, God is, is very, very distant Whereas God wants a relationship with us. He wants us to be yoked with us. Once again, I'm sorry, I have to use a grandchild example. Uh, well, my, my little grandson, Noah, who's two, comes over our house. He loves our kitty cat, or he, as he calls him, Kit Kat. And he'll always uh, come up to me, and he can't say, come here, and he can't say, grandpa. So he just says, Mirpa, Mirpa. And he grabs my hand, and because he's afraid the cat's going to jump out at him, and so he is yoked to me, and then we are walking all throughout the house looking for the cat to torture or the cat to try and pet, and he gets a little freaked out at Noah sometimes. And so he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke, Jesus says, is easy, and my burden is light. Now, that sounds wonderful, doesn't it? And for many people who become followers of Jesus, that's the way it starts out. It seems like the weight of the world has been lifted off your shoulders. It seems like now you're yoked to Jesus, but somehow he's kind of just carrying all the weight. He's carrying you along. But then, after a while, if you're not careful, things start to get heavy again, and maybe your faith starts to waver. And you may notice, which I'm repeating it so many times, the, the title of the message, something is missing. You notice something is missing. And it's often because I believe with good intentions, we get off track ever so slightly. And we begin to shift our focus a lot of times into really, really good things. Our faith becomes about something other than Jesus, more about activities. We become all about good works, which this may be a shock to some of you if you're not followers of Jesus. You know, your good works actually count for nothing before you become a follower of Jesus, but they count for a lot of things after you become a follower of Jesus. That's what part of being a follower of Jesus is. God no longer counts your sins against you, but now counts, he counts them against Jesus, but now he counts your good works for you 
But sometimes we lose track of Jesus because we want to do good works. Some people are now absorbed in the religion of politics. Politics is, is, is really everything to them, and they have forgotten about Jesus. Some people, only, they only want to talk about the miraculous. Other people, they get obsessed with, with the end times, that Jesus is coming back any minute. Or other people, it's apologetics. How can I prove to people that Christianity is true? Other people, it's evangelism. You know, I'm going to go out and share Jesus with people. I'm all about evangelism. Pray the prayer. Come into the kingdom. This is it. Come. Jesus said, come, right? And that's, that's all it's about. And again, these are, these, are, these are good things, well-intentioned. Maybe we want to start a Christian business. We want to be a Christian businessman or woman. Maybe it's we, we throw our, our hat into the ring of Christian education. We really believe in that. Good thing, or it's homeschooling. You really want to jump on the homeschooling thing. and Good, good stuff. Lots of good stuff. But you realize that somehow it's shifted to be your priority instead of coming out of Jesus being your priority. Other times we, we get off track with not good stuff. We get in with a bad crowd or we get into some bad habits or we never, we never really gave that habit over to Jesus. We, we gave him you know, 90% of our life, but 10% we didn't give to him. And, and, the, and the weight of sin seems to just still be crushing us. Maybe you'll do what some people do. Many people say, well, I'll just find the new cool hip church down the block or the ones that my neighbors go to or something like that and so you go there and it's all hyped up and you you meet some of the people there and you realize that a lot of them are in the same sins that you're involved in and and they don't really seem to care that much about it living a holy life living a life for God which is the same what's got you in such a knot that they don't really want to do that and they'll say hey man it's about grace it's all about grace God forgives all of your sins and yet you realize things are just getting worse inside your heart they're getting worse inside your soul before you know it in your life it feels like there's no real firm foundation The storms of life are absolutely wiping you out. There's no real joy in your life. You don't really experience the presence of God in your life, and you're not even really able to recognize or enjoy the blessings that God gives you. You may go on like this for years and not even realize it. And wondering how you got there. You're going to church every week. You're like, I'm faithful, I'm serving, but something just just missing. Your Christian life has become unfulfilling, if it ever was. And to be honest, the whole thing has now become disappointing to you. In fact, for some of you, I know this. Some of you, it is very disappointing. Your Christian disciplines of of meeting with God in his word, talking to him in prayer, uh, going to Sunday worship, and I'm not just talking about being in the building, but actually worshiping God and, and, and serving God. I'm not talking about doing a task. I'm actually doing it as if you were doing it for Jesus himself. Your meeting with other Christians, which we call fellowship, your, your, your generosity, the desire to be part of the work of the Lord, it just is fading. 
or it's completely disappeared. Sometimes you stop or sometimes you're doing it. You're in a body, you're doing it, but you know it's not real to you. What has happened to you? What has happened to your friends that you've seen this happen to? Well, I can tell you this. After 30 years of being a follower of Jesus, long, well, actually a little longer than that, and, and half of that time in Christian ministry in terms of what I do now, I think I know what the problem is for a lot of people. I was reading through this recently, and I was like, oh, my gosh, that's it, Lord. That's, that's it. Now, trust me, when I read something and I say, oh, that's the problem. I'm not thinking of you sinners out there. That means that that God has spoken to me that I am just as prone to this as anyone because I have said to myself many, many times before, something is missing, Lord. Something is not right with me. What is it? Why, Lord, is your yoke not easy for me? Why is your burden seemingly so heavy for me? And the answer is, dare I say, embarrassingly simple. It is very, very simple. And and part of the problem is, you know, when something is wrong or broken or sick, is identifying the problem before you can fix it. So what is it? It is very easy for us to detach ourselves from the yoke of Jesus and start carrying the heavy burden on our own. Let me say that again. It is very easy for us to detach ourselves from the yoke of Jesus and to start carrying that heavy burden on our own. So let's hear our text for today from John 15. Now, we're going to skip a few verses. We're going to skip verses 1 through 3. We'll come back to them next week, Lord willing. And look at verse 4. John 15, 4. It's the night before the cross. Jesus says this. Abide in me. Some of your verses say, remain in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit unless it abides in the vine. What happens to a vine that's not attached to the branch? It, It just dies. And what good is a dead vine? No good. Okay, so he says, as a branch cannot bear fruit itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide or remain in me. Now, did you notice that the word abide was three times in that one verse? Now, let's just realize that that's because God wants us to pay attention, but let's also just go back 2,000 years ago. Not everybody had a copy of the Bible. So a lot of it was verbally spoken to people or be read to the people in the congregation. So when God wanted you to focus on a word, he repeated it over and over again. Also, a lot of the people were illiterate, so they couldn't read. So they were, how did they learn the word of God? Through hearing. Faith comes by hearing, the scripture says, and hearing the word of God. So that's why these words are repeated all over and over again for them to learn by hearing, but us by reading it going, wow, why does he keep saying the same word over and over again? Now, please listen, friends. This is very, very important. Some of us are so familiar with the call of Jesus from Matthew chapter 11. Again, if you've been around the church a long time, we studied it when we went through Matthew's gospel. But some of us are so familiar with Jesus' call to come in Matthew 11 
and so familiar with Jesus telling his disciples in John 15 to abide, we're so familiar with them that we miss the connection between them. It's intimately connected teaching. You see, because the apostles had already come to Jesus, and now the night before the cross, he's telling them, you've got to abide in me. You've got to remain in me. Now, we believe that the Last Supper's over. Jesus says we're going to go. We'll talk about that in a second. It appears that Judas has left to betray Jesus. And perhaps, in some way, Jesus is warning the other apostles not to become like Judas. You say, how so? Judas came to Jesus. At some point in time, Jesus said to Judas, come. Follow me. And Judas did. But what? He didn't stay. He didn't stay. He, 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 he came to Jesus. He followed Jesus for a bit, but he didn't stay. Now, Peter's going to have to learn this lesson the hard way because he comes to Jesus. He wants to stay, but he denies him three times. So he has to find out what really lurks inside him and how easy it is for all of us to stray. So we'll say that Judas didn't stay and Peter strayed because the call involves coming, following, staying, and keep following, which here we see is the word abiding. Here the the key to joy and, and staying power in the Christian life, and we'll be looking at that for the next few weeks, Jesus doesn't just say to them, stay with me. He doesn't just say, stay with me. He says, abide in me. Now, we don't save ourselves. The scripture says we are saved by grace through faith. However, here it appears that we have an active part in our Christian growth, our Christian development, if you will, our Christian maintenance. At the Last Supper, in chapter 13 and 14 of John's gospel, Jesus was teaching the apostles and teaching us what he's doing now. He is supplying us with the Holy Spirit. He's preparing a place for us in heaven. And at the end of chapter 14, he says to them, arise, let us go from here. And chapter 15 begins, Jesus begins teaching us what his followers must be and what we must do if we are to stay at this thing, the Christian life, long-term, and we are to experience the joy and the blessings of this life. What is it? It's to abide, to be continually attached to Jesus, and followers of Jesus will be fruitful, and that's really what this whole passage is about, And most of us feel like there's no fruit in our lives. There's probably a lot more in a lot of your lives than you think, but it's because if we're not abiding, we're maybe perhaps not seeing it. But he wants us to be continually attached to him and be fruitful in the kingdom of God. Now, when I talk about being fruitful, for some of you, you just immediately think, oh gosh, you know, that just sounds like more work. That just sounds like more stuff to do. 
But remember what Jesus said in Matthew. He said, my burden is easy. It's light. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. If what? John 15, if you abide, if you remain in Jesus. Now, I know this. A lot of you, a lot of us are weary and need rest. And today, Jesus calls all of us to abide in him, to stay attached to him. And interestingly enough, the result of abiding and staying attached to him is rest and a fruitful life. They're like, how does that work? Well, that's what we're going to be exploring. There's a huge enemy of the Christian life. Self-inflicted weariness. Huge, huge enemy of the Christian life. And the cure is abiding in Jesus. A lot of people are spiritually thirsty. They're like, you know, I'm so dry, I'm so dry. What is the answer to being spiritually thirsty? Abiding in Jesus. So it's interesting, just before Jesus said, let's go, he actually said this to them, uh, chapter 14, verse 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Now it's almost like he's saying, hey guys, let's go out and get it. Let's go out and, let's get, I'm going to leave you with peace. Let's go out and grab it for ourselves. Now, let me remind you, this is a very stressful time. The religious leaders are, are, want Jesus because they want to kill him. The Roman Empire's it's Passover week, and they're just tired of the Jews, and they don't like all the commotion that this Jesus of Nazareth has caused in town. And, and at the end of chapter 14, we'll read a, some of chapter 14 in a minute, but, but I'm not going to specifically read uh, one thing that Jesus said. Jesus actually told the apostles that Satan was coming for them. <laughs> You're like... Really, that's not very positive and uplifting, Jesus. What's the deal with that? And that he's going to go die on the cross. Yet he says, I leave you with peace. How can that be? Abiding. Right now in the United States, I don't know that we really are portraying to the world, the rest of the country, as being a people of peace. I think some people see us as a people of hype. We're just, everything's great and when, when there's real problems going on in our country. Let's not, let's not ignore that. Or they see us as being rebellious. We're not gonna, we're not gonna do what, what, what any state or any governor or any president or any, any health official, we're not gonna do what anybody tells us to do. Or they just see a lot of other people who are just completely down in the dumps like, like Jesus doesn't even, doesn't even live. And in all of those things, it's so important for us to remember, I'm not saying we don't let some of this stuff you know, weigh on our hearts. We constantly, you know, Philippians tells us to you know, you know, be anxious for nothing, but to bring it to God in prayer. But, but when it comes to you know, some of the things that are going on, you know, and, and people just being so angry about everything, let's not forget that, that 1 Corinthians chapter 6, the apostle Paul said, your life, Christian, and my life is not our own. We were bought with a price. And so how we live in this time is very, very important. So what is abiding? Well, you know, there's the Jesus illustration will be in the weeks to come. 
um, and, I, and, and he will make it clear to us, and I believe it will open the eyes of many. But I know for a lot of you, when you think about abiding, you've already admitted defeat or you fear all the obstacles. While I hope that some of you are beginning to get excited, this is all I ask you in the weeks to come. I'm, I'm asking you to bring a willing heart. Just bring a willing heart. Just, that's all you gotta bring. What does that mean? Be ready to come, follow, stay with Jesus, and abide with Jesus, and give him some time. And it, it will, I'm being honest with you, it's going to take some effort on your part, but let's again think of it as grace-motivated effort. I'm motivated by God's grace and love towards me and mercy towards me to put in the effort. Well, okay, what is abiding, you ask, all right? Well, it depends upon who you ask. Clearly, in this passage, it's about discipleship. It's about loving one another. It's about fruitfulness. I would say, if you want to encapsulate it, it it's a life that is centered on a relationship with Jesus Christ. Take what you've just heard from Pastor Jim Kevney on Changed by Love and share it with a friend or neighbor. Encouraging words are priceless in today's world. Pastor Jim relies on your prayer and support each day to reach thousands of people just like you. You can also find other ways to team with Changed by Love on our website at changedbyloveradio.org or you can call 862-217-9686. We are called by His name to change the world and we are stronger together than we could ever be apart. You and Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Thank you for your support and the time you spend with Changed by Love.